Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Earlier this week, John, we celebrated, if celebrated is the right term, the anniversary of the famous O.J. Bronco chase. Uh, it's one of those everyone remembers where they were moments, and sources say you have a more interesting story than most about where you were. Uh, well, Eric, I'll, I'll let the listeners just determine that, you know, okay. <laughs> interesting is uh, in the eye of the beholder. But uh, yeah, I was at Madison Square Garden uh, covering game five of the NBA finals. Kind of important. Knicks Rockets, you know, um, the OJ buzz started a little bit in the second quarter. Um, got a hard to believe for your younger listeners. Uh, there's no Internet yet and no cell phones. Kids, uh, I'm not even sure I have my pager yet, actually. <laughs> back then, But. So at halftime, the Garden has giant screens in the media concourse showing the dopey chase. And the national media is mesmerized for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, so I come out to my media seat, which I had mentioned before. was kind of like right under one of the baskets, like literally two feet from the basket as the third quarter starts. And uh, out of the 12, 15 media seats in my area, I'm the only one who is not back in the press room <laughs> gawking at the chase. Even, the, even worse is that. Half these guys flew in from around the country to cover the game for their papers, and they're in a media room watching a Bronco going by slowly and doing nothing. Uh, that was kind of uh, disheartening a little bit. So um, so then some fans figure in the third quarter, hey, these seats are empty. Why not? Let's sneak up courtside to, uh, you know, get a great seat. Uh, no cheering in the press, press box or the media seats, fellas. Um, I tried to remind them, and security scooped them up, and eventually the national media, with seats near me, I suppose, reluctantly came out and caught a piece of the second half. Uh, I'm naming no names, because probably because I'm only sure about one, and I won't name even that one. <laughs> okay. 
Um, in in defense of the uh, the people who uh, were watching the the boring Bronco chase, yeah. there was seemingly the potential for something very exciting or you know uh, fatal. It's game to five happen. the finals. Right. I would say, from a perspective of this is your job and you're being yeah, paid to exactly. cover the game. Yes, you from a, one job. <laughs> watch this game. Right. Exactly. That for that for that reason they should be watching. In terms of uh, you know, if they weren't being paid to be there, uh, just which is more interesting. I I can see a case for the Bronco Chase, but um, I don't I don't have much of a story uh, about that particular day. I was watching it on TV like a million other people were, and I do remember the NBA game going into a small box in the corner of the screen while the OJ Chase got the main the, the, the main coverage. Uh, but I do have some decent OJ stories. Uh, the problem is I can't really tell them here. Um, so I'm, I'm friendly with broadcaster Jim Lampley, who was very close with OJ in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, Jim once told me some creepy stories about hanging out with OJ and Nicole, uh, but it was all in casual, off-the-record conversation, so I, I don't really feel right sharing details. I will note, though, that Jim told me the story of how he was the one who told Jack Nicholson the result of the trial since Jack was out golfing instead of watching TV like the rest of the world. Uh, how's that for a name drop within a name drop right there? Uh, that's that's pretty good, I, I, I got to say. Although <laughs> you kind of uh, kind of threw Lampley under the bus there anyway, I think. <laughs> well, you know, he's not he's not on OJ's side anymore if uh, oh, okay. <laughs> if, if if that takes him out from under the bus. He just used to be friends with OJ. Um, but uh, the big OJ news of the week is that he's joined Twitter. Uh, so uh, let's put a gambling twist on this, John. Uh, set a line on how long it will be until he stumbles and tweets out something plainly admitting to the double murder. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, you mean like if I did it? That's, uh, <laughs> right. He's kind of done this already pre-Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'll take your uh, your prop there. And uh, uh, plus or minus 110, he does it again in 30 days. Okay. That's, uh, I guess I'll go over. I think he can be a, a good boy for longer than that. But uh, eventually, eventually <laughs> he'll say something that causes everyone around him to say, uh, get, get the hell off of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's such a tragedy and it's so bizarre. Uh, and then even him getting going to prison for some memorabilia thing, it's, right? It's all it's all a disaster. But uh, the tragedy, you know, overwhelms everything. Still, obviously, yeah. There is a morbid fascination with all of it, but uh, you, you do need to sometimes step back and say, hey. Uh, actual people were, were murdered here. Uh, it's not at all a big joke. But uh, at the same time, it is endlessly fascinating. But uh, And that, I guess that's part of why we're still talking about it. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk about gambling stuff. Uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 45 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 44 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And as Johnny Cochran famously said almost 25 years ago, if you like the vibe, you must subscribe. I think that's what he said. So, something like that. <laughs> I think that's right, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> that, okay. that sounds right. Anyway, okay. So uh, coming up a little later in the show, uh, we'll be joined by 888 Holdings uh, head of commercial development Yanov Sherman. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to Yanov earlier this week for an uh, article about the future of online poker and its relation to mobile sports betting that you can read uh, at njgambling.com, one of our many. Uh, websites and uh, we're going to continue that conversation here on the podcast but first it's been yet another busy week in the world of gambling right into overtime last night uh, so let's get to it here's your gamble on news of the week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling
Let's start the news segment in New England, where we're giving you two sports betting legislation stories for the price of one. In New Hampshire, late last week, just after we recorded our podcast, the House approved sports betting bill HB 480, sending it along to the governor, who is expected to sign it into law by mid-July. The bill calls for up to 10 retail betting operators and up to five mobile sports books. And here's an oddity. The legal age to wager in the state is just 18. Uh, And just days after New Hampshire got its legislation through, Maine did the same this Wednesday with a sports betting bill passing the House and then the Senate, and it now sits on Governor Janet Mills' desk. The bill calls for both brick-and-mortar and and online betting, and interestingly, online sports books won't need a land-based partner the way they do in New Jersey. So Maine could find itself with a very crowded, competitive market, which is good news for consumers, of course. Uh, John, any reaction to the specifics of either of these bills? And do you think it's likely that by the end of 2020, every single state in New England will have sports betting? Uh, first, the last one. Wait, every single state. I'm a Northeasterner, so I should know this. New Hampshire, <laughs> check. Maine, check. At least Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Vermont. Wait, Rhode Island is also a check. Yes. Okay, I yes. got that one. It's a small <laughs> one, so you can miss it. But so that's three <laughs> out of six, I believe. Um, end of 2020 is a good line. As is the parlay offer. I think I like Massachusetts the most, but you know how fond I am of parlay. So uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to pass on claiming that all three crossed the finish line by the end of 2020. Okay. Um, to the rest of your question, uh, age 18 in New Hampshire is really interesting. Uh, I mentioned before that if you're 18 to 20 and you go to the Midlands Racetrack, you can bet on the horse races going on there or anywhere. I'm guessing going on in the building. But you're out of luck if you try a bet at FanDuel Sportsbook in the same building because you got to be 21, right. which is weird. Um, so I, I think I like 21 better for sports betting, uh, like the, the research on the, uh, development of young brains and all, but, uh, I could be talked out of it. Um, now as for Maine, uh, do Mainers even like sports? I, I guess <laughs> they like the New England Patriots cause they got New England in there. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they do draw tourists in the summer and early, early fall, like until like early October when it starts snowing, <laughs> but uh, it's a nice touch for the bed and breakfast crowd. Um, but does the bed and breakfast crowd like sports? I, I don't know either. That either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never spent a lot of time thinking about uh, what goes on inside the minds of the bed and breakfast crowd. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no pro sports teams in Maine. I guess there are some yeah. college teams. Uh, college hockey, I think, mm. uh, might be big there. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, one note was uh, that Steve Silver from the University of Maine School of Law told our colleague Brett Smiley uh, for Sports Handle that the bill – quote, could be one of the greatest in the nation for both consumers and operators. Uh, He noted that it has low fees and taxes, no data mandate, uh, and of course, uh, this free market approach. Uh, And and that's really the big thing is this, the the whole free market thing that really all online operators are are welcome. Maine might become that state that we point to instead of New Jersey and end up saying, look at Maine, that's really how it's done. Not that they'll rival New Jersey for handle and revenue figures, um, but just in terms of uh, getting the most uh, out of the market, uh, they seem to have the, the law. It looks good on paper. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I like that idea that, you know, there are 50 states and there are kind of 50 experiments possibly, you know, so so a state tries something and it does sound good and it makes sense what you say and then try it out. And if a year goes by and it, it's a disaster, then other states are going to say, OK, you know, that's that's on you. And eight, then people say, well, I'm going to steal that and take credit for it. So uh, that, that really is kind of a, you know founding idea, which is that 50 states, well, there were 13 states then, but uh, 50 states now, and they can each try 
something different and uh, other states can look and see how it works. So I, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the prop bet on the rest of New England, uh, we, we know that Massachusetts is in, inching closer and we know that Connecticut has issues to deal with, but yeah. is at least looking seriously at sports betting. The quiet state has been Vermont, uh, but they did introduce an 18 page bill in February that would cover yeah. mobile betting. Uh, it hasn't progressed at all since being introduced, um, but it feels like if literally every other state in New England has sports betting and people are driving from Vermont to New Hampshire or, or Maine to spend money there uh i would think that vermont would get something done um so i i'm gonna take uh, the opposite side uh, as as we know i i'm not afraid of a parlay even though it uh, usually <laughs> doesn't work out for me I, I predict that by the end of 2020 sports betting bills will have been passed in in every single state in new england which uh basically then would mean in every single state in the northeast except new york uh, which uh, does have its, uh, you know, a, li- a little bit of brick and mortar betting upstate, but uh, but as we know, that barely counts. Yeah, I- I've been to Vermont, and Erica, it could break your heart. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that in mind. All right, uh, our next story takes us to Pennsylvania, where we have revenue numbers for the first very partial month of online and mobile sports betting. You'll recall that Play Sugar House uh, started its soft launch on May 28th. And it was open for three partial days before going into full launch mode, accepting bets around the clock on literally the last day of the month, May 31st. So you had one online site open for three partial days and one full day in May. Uh, And of course, uh, as we've noted, it wasn't available as an app on Apple devices. And it drew betting handle of $570,000. The eight brick-and-mortar locations drew about $35.4 million in handle, so only about 1.5% of the handle was online. It's really hard to extrapolate out from a sample this small that involved partial days, but the pace of the handle, if stretched over a full 31 days, would have been more than five of the eight brick-and-mortar books in the state. What does it all mean? Uh, it means that we won't really know anything until the June numbers come in. Uh, and even then we won't know much because there's still only one site and it still isn't available in the Apple App Store. Still, uh, we'll we'll try to make some uh, guesses and predictions and uh, have a discussion about it here. John, what do you think the chances are that in June, Play Sugar House, the online site, will attract more handle than the sports book at the actual Sugar House Casino, which I'll note in May racked up $7.9 million in handle. Yeah, Eric, uh, we don't really know anything is uh, well put because I'll add I don't know anything either. Um, (laughs) I think the answer is based on how much advertising Sugar House does uh, in the next month. Um, Wait, is it still called Sugar House? I forget. (laughs) For now it is, but not for much longer. Yes. I see. All right. Well, so that might cut into the advertising effort is uh, <laughs> making sure people are aware of the Sugar House brand and then it's not Sugar House anymore. So uh, that that could definitely affect my uh, my gamble there. OK. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, tying into that, uh, regardless of what the name is, is or is going to be soon, I, I have to assume that awareness of the launch was low um, and has been growing in June, just word of mouth spreading some, even if they're not, uh, there's no full on advertising blitz. Um, I'll note that uh, Play Sugar House in Pennsylvania had that whole no VIG betting on the NBA finals games, which I know it, uh, sample size of one, it worked on me. I bet most of those games uh, that that should goose the handle a little. I'll note also, though, that they can't offer NBA draft betting this week the way the New Jersey sites can. So that hurts handle a little. Um, I'm going to put a prediction out there in terms of online handle for June. 
you know, assuming that we don't have a second site launch before the end of the month, which we still might, but um, I'm going to say that they'll hit 10 million in online handle for June, which is still nothing compared to New Jersey's 250 million plus, uh, but uh, it's a start. Um, But yeah, as we've said before, I don't know anything. You don't know anything. Nobody's really going to know anything meaningful until football starts, I think. Yeah, I think 300 million plus in New Jersey. And it's like, uh, I think the, the casual New Jersey sports fan knows that New Jersey's really into the whole uh, gambling thing. And the casual Pennsylvania sports fan knows that the state's really skittish. They're not really sure what they want to do. So, right. um, so it's going to kind of keep at bay some of the casual fans are like in Pennsylvania because they're like, well, I heard we did something, but we didn't do it. Do we do it yet? Or is it really there? And, you know, they don't they don't know. So uh, you guys, uh, you're kind of soft over there, I got to say. <laughs> um, I should be offended by that, but I, I personally am, am somewhat soft myself, so I can't even argue with it. All right. For our third news story this week, we're going to go rapid fire with three mini stories, all of which are interesting, but none of which quite warrant their own full segment. First, the New York Senate Rules Committee passed a sport. Sports betting bill on Monday by a 57 to 5 vote, but it didn't get any further than that. And time appears to have run out on the legislative session in New York. John, as the industry's leading Debbie Downer on this subject, would you like to do a little gloating? Uh, let's see. Yes and no. I totally want to gloat about being right for the past year. Um, but a few Twitter followers seem to think as a Jersey guy, I was rooting for this bill to fail. Mm. Well, uh, you know, as you probably know, I get paid the same whether New York passed this bill or not. So no, I didn't really need them to fail or not, but (laughs) I wanted to let my, uh, viewers and listeners and, and everything else, uh, know that it was never going to happen and it didn't. Right. Just because, uh, somebody doesn't like the news doesn't make it fake news. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) There you go. That too. Uh, Next up, the Golden Nugget in Atlantic City and its mobile sports book have been frozen out of NBA betting so far because owner Tillman Fertitta also owns the Houston Rockets franchise. But a bill was introduced in New Jersey that would allow the Nugget to start taking NBA bets, uh, just not on Rockets games. The Golden Nugget sports book has been struggling so far. How much will this change its fortunes? Yeah, this is a weird one. Initially, no casino in Atlantic City could have a sports book if the casino owner also owned any sports team. OK, so that's going to knock out Borgata with the WNBA Las Vegas Aces hmm. uh, and the Three Caesars properties. Uh, the Devils and 76ers owners were involved there, uh, as well as Gold Nugget at that point. So only two casinos would be in the clear, uh, plus Hard Rock and Ocean Resort when they opened in June last year. Um, it got less weird then. Um because the other ones were cleared. But that's Texas billionaire Tillman Fertitta, the Golden Nugget owner. Yeah, he wound up getting a sports book uh, as well, but no NBA betting on any games, including Nuggets uh, games, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, this bill was introduced in the Assembly just now, um, but the objector last year was State Senate President Steve Sweeney. And I spent a year in, in New York saying, no mobile unless Assembly gets allowed to vote, right? And it didn't happen. And it's the same for New Jersey. The spoiler alert is if the Senate votes on it this month, then it's good to go and it'll be signed. If not, it's dead. Hmm. OK, um, well, just uh, sort of looking at it from a perspective of if it happens, uh, I, I would assume it is it would be significant for Golden Nuggets sports books, especially for the online betting end of things, you know. Most customers only want to make so many deposits. You know, the, the pros, they'll put money on every site, but the casuals, 
maybe you're going to deposit 200 bucks on like three sites and that's all your sports betting money. And if one of those sites doesn't have NBA, you won't even consider making that one of the, the three that you choose. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't put my I haven't put money on their site. And I uh, and, I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't unless I looked and saw that they had the very best odds on a bunch of other sports or something. So I would say this is vital for Golden Nuggets sports betting. You can't not offer NBA and expect to survive in a competitive market. Yeah, it's odd because Senator Sweeney is a big sports fan. He's actually a Green Bay Packers fan. Mm-hmm. And he introduced a uh, like a an objecting uh, piece of legislation a couple of years ago where the Green Bay Packers got screwed on the end zone in that Seahawks game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so he, he introduced something literally in, in, the, in Trenton that that objected to the you know ruling by the NFL or whatever. So uh, uh, with the uh, the rogue referees, you might say, the rogue, right? Rogue it was it, it, right. It was it was the the scab referees. Uh, if, if, if I don't know if everyone loves that term, but that that was when this was going on, right? It was the replacement the replacement refs who yeah. blew that call. So he's a big Golden sports Tate fan, but I don't know how he got in his head that. I mean, Nevada already has solved this, where you can bet on any NBA game except the Rockets game. Right. Which is also like, which would would solve your problems for the most part. Right. Uh, and he's got this thing. So I, I'm not convinced it's ever going to happen. OK. Uh, last of our mini items here. The NBA is planning to launch a virtual sports betting game next season. And if you're asking yourself, what is virtual sports betting? Well, it's betting on a computer simulation type sports game. Uh, so in this case, you're watching a 90 second simulation of the end of an NBA game. And before that simulation begins, you can bet on the outcome. I don't get what would ever make anyone want to bet on something like this. But then again, I don't get slots and they're obviously very popular. John, what do you think of this development? Yeah, Eric, I saw a demonstration of this at Global Gaming Expo. Uh, the cool kids call it GTE <laughs> in Las Vegas last fall. So I, I kind of get it. Um, a lot of it was like 1990s Dream Team players and elderly millennials love those guys. You know, so right. you could bet on Michael Jordan's bowls every time and see a splice reel of shots from a bunch of different games, produce different results every time. Um, I thought it was it was kind of cool. Not for me, but. Um, I think it's got a chance. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I need to be a little more open-minded. It seems very unfun to me on the surface. I, I feel like this is one of those things where the first time I try it, I, you know, and, and I bet 10 bucks on a quote unquote game. And then I watch some computer decide that I lose. Uh, I'm, I'm out never to play again, but, um, I would say st- stay tuned. Maybe the advantage players who beat ocean magic will figure out an avenue to beat NBA last 90 also. All right, and I think we're going to get off your lawn as well, Eric. (laughs) There you go. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. The last several weeks have been a bit more poker heavy than usual on this podcast, in part because the World Series of Poker is underway and in part because newsworthy things have been happening in the online poker world. Everyone agrees that shared liquidity between states is the key to online poker's success. And for now, the network run by 888 and WSOP.com is the only one bringing multiple states together. So joining us to talk about the state of online poker is a key executive at that network, 888 Holdings Head of Commercial Development, Yaniv Sherman. Yaniv, welcome to Gamble On. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's start with some ground that you covered during your interview with John earlier this week for an article that appeared on NJOnlineGambling.com. 
you said there that sports betting is not a competitor to online poker. It, it, it's an ally. Why do you feel that way? And have you seen any evidence yet in these very early days of sports betting legalization that sports betting is leading states to look at online poker? Well, I think, first of all, what sports betting has done very effectively is drive gaming um, sort of back to the middle of the road. Um, I think poker and and, uh, especially casino, um, but uh, poker as well, has been, I wouldn't say a niche game, but it's been taking uh, sort of the backseat over the last couple of years. We've seen that there was a great hype in the early 2000s around poker, and I think that's uh, somewhat subsided over the last five or six years, but there's still a very big poker community out there. Um, The challenge has always been to create enough liquidity to have player interested in the product. Um, And basically what we're seeing in the world today is that liquidity is being fragmented behind regulation. We had one big pool of liquidity in the early 2000s, and then Europe regulated and the U.S. closed its uh, online activities, its legal online activities back in 2006. So we're basically looking at a redevelopment of that segment of the market. Hmm. Um, Sport has sort of thrown everything back on the agenda. And while we see few states that have poker on their current ballots, I think we feel more comfortable with the the states legalizing sports betting and then taking sort of revisiting um, their gaming components. And we know that poker is considered or more an an, an entertainment destination and and the game of skill than casino, for example. So we're optimistic in in having poker ride the coattails of the sport um, popularity in that regard. Right. And and you make a good point that they sync up in terms of those are they're they're both perceived as games of skill uh, in addition. Obviously, there's some plenty of chance, but uh, that, that they distinguish themselves as games of skill. That's, I think, a key point in sort of linking the two together. Yeah. And I think that, when you know, we've had great success between WSOP and, and 88 and a great portion of that is being um, live and also broadcasted and recorded and broadcasted on TV. And it is broadcasted on ESPN for a good number of years and mm-hmm. not a coincidence because this is very much synonymous around uh, entertainment and sports activity. These are not athletes, but uh, at the end of the day, we know it takes a lot of mental and uh, analytical capabilities to make it in poker. And that I think caters to the very, the very similar crowd that, that is a sports betting fan. Yeah. Uh, Yaniv, I read on the internet that you just moved to New Jersey last year, so it must be true. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background sure. and, and when you arrived at 88 Holdings? And uh, most importantly, have you learned to lean on the car horn when you're stuck in that metal traffic yet? <laughs> well, um, I'm still getting used to it. But remember, while you know, I, I come from Israel, so uh, and I know that we've hosted the Eurovision contest, but Israel's in the Middle East, so New Jersey driving is just up our alley. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually feeling a lot more civil here. But uh, yeah, I'll just decide. I've, I've relocated to New Jersey with my family. That was uh, about 10 or 11 months ago. One of the company's sort of um, commitments and um, understanding that the, the U.S. strategic value requires boots on the ground. Um, and a lot of other companies have hired American Americans to run this uh, these operations. We felt that, at least from um, executive or managerial perspective, 
You also need to be very well acquainted with the technology and online operations. And that's why we decided to build this bridgehead, sort of to combine the best of both worlds, Israeli tech and, and the U.S. marketing and uh, and uh, distribution and everything else that we need to operate in the market space. So it's, uh, we're, we're building the team on the ground here. We've been here since 2013. We're now bolstering that presence, and we're based out of Secaucus, New Jersey. So it's been um, a very interesting year that we're now uh, we're now concluding, and we like it very much. So uh, you you mentioned uh, you know sort of the 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 poker boom days um, when there there was the uh, one giant pool uh, in in the U.S. Uh, and really globally, and and at the height of that poker boom, the appetite for games other than No Limit Hold'em was really expanding. Uh, but it seems like since online poker came back in just three states and soon to be a fourth in Pennsylvania, the focus has really just been on No Limit Hold'em again. You can find some Omaha tables, but not a whole lot else most of the time. Is that just a symptom of the limited player pools? And you think that as we add more states, we'll see those other non-Hold'em games start to grow again? Um, first of all, definitely. I think that it, it was a matter of the variety of, of, um, of products that you can offer the players. You, um, at, at the end, you tend to concentrate your efforts where you see better returns and Texas Hold'em has always been the safest bet. Mm-hmm. Having said that, and again, looking a year later into the U.S. Um, shared liquidity network, the interstate network, the uptake that we've seen almost immediate was sort of bucking the overall trend worldwide. It was very encouraging to show that um, and, and to see that poker is very much live and kicking. And one of the sort of the side effects that we've seen is a, a sort of a reinvigorated interest in other games. I can tell you that just in this WSOP, we've already seen a couple of very um, uh, meaningful and, and successful Omaha tournaments run um and uh, we're definitely seeing some of the other games pick up on the back of now being able to market them it's sort of a chicken and egg situation where you want to put marketing dollars behind the more successful games and when you get initial traction you're encouraged to do that having said that by the way the days that you're speaking of we've also seen some very interesting product development so we now offer a few uh, versions that are not Omaha or uh, or uh, Texas Hold'em, like we offer a fast-paced jackpot-based game called Blast that mm. players are taking to, which is sort of a cross between your traditional poker and more casino-oriented games. I'm saying this because um, the new types of players, both recreational and millennial players, are looking at faster-paced games. Right. Tend to play a mixture of games. Uh, Texas Hold'em, especially in tournament level, still requires you for long periods of time, um, and it is still poker is still I think the least uh, mobile-oriented uh, product of them all because of these reasons. We're trying to to cater to those demographics as well and offer a more mobile-friendly uh, proposition to get to more players and have them play across the platforms. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, to Eric's question, I, I, I'm thinking really, really big. Um, you know, every online poker player realized that adding Pennsylvania really helps with liquidity uh, and the more the merrier. But I'm, I'm thinking like, what if there's a 10-state compact in five years? Let's pretend that uh, New York is a dream scenario. They, they're in, you know, uh, then what can online poker player 
expect when he logs in compared to now? I, I'm sure you guys are thinking down the road. Uh, how how big can it get? What what can happen when there's 10 or 12 states uh, beyond just more Omaha and a little bit like else? What what what's the, uh, the I call it the dream scenario for for poker in five years? Well, what we call the bull scenario in this regard is naturally getting um, a couple of the bigger states across the line. I mean, New York and California are, are obvious, uh, and we're hoping that they will. And, and remember, they they all need to compact to the same network. But in that such a bull scenario, you don't need to get everything aboard. Just just by adding Nevada, Del, um, New Jersey, and Delaware, we sort of more than doubled the liquidity. Remember, it has a gearing effect. When you double liquidity uh, in the first days, you now get uh, a lot of momentum and more players join. Um, so if you if you add more states to that, you can at least expect in the near term a similar effect. You add Pennsylvania, you add uh, any other of the eastern uh, states that are currently on the ballot. I'm getting, you know, you're getting to 20, 30, 40, 50% uptake. And at a certain point, it doesn't really matter if you have a thousand or two thousand uh, players on the platform. It's already live and kicking, and then the players uh, have enough interest. You need mm. to clear a certain line. We we feel that we've cleared the first stage of it when we connected the states because beforehand, just New Jersey and Nevada on their own seemed to sort of not make the cut. Now they do. Um, so anything that we offer beyond it is just bigger tournament, bigger prizes. Um, more hours of the day that you get enough players to play against, which is also important uh, mm-hmm. between East and, and West. That's one of the reasons why this is a f- successful. Um, so it, it, it's sort of a self-propelling um, process. Uh, and the more we have them join, especially the bigger states, I think we'll see um, an exponential growth back in poker and also as another side product to, to sport again. Sport being could be a a market leader here to lead into the poker proposition. Hmm. Um, what one more question for you, Yaniv? Because you mentioned uh, you know the the sort of the tech and the marketing side uh, coming in at, at eight eight eight. I have a question from a marketing perspective. Um, if online poker continues to expand into more states. Do you foresee a serious advertising blitz again, uh, approaching what we saw 15 years ago? And, and what will 888 focus on in, in terms of getting the word out in, in states where online poker is legal? Well, remember, we, we offer we, we uh, work under two hats. One, we're a B2B or technology provider to Caesars that operate WSOP and the Delaware Lottery through their three brands. In that case, and for 888 Poker, our direct-to-consumer brand, I think that the more states come online, the bigger the prizes. Right now, uh, I think we're still getting quite, a, you know, limited number of operators that beyond interest and actually get poker, that have an interest in poker but know how to operate this. Remember, much like sport, poker is a more operational-heavy um, product, unlike mm-hmm. casino, uh, for instance. So I think that in that regard, we will see an uptake in uh, in marketing. Uh, I think the U.S., especially when you talk about regulated online gaming, you can up, you can advertise in more places. You can do TV. You can potentially do Google. You can do social. Uh, it is it is getting a lot more expensive because at the end you'll be will be competing for the same marketing pie as sports betting is concerned uh, and other entertainment de- destinations. But I definitely see 
an uptake in, in getting poker, let's call it more mainstream and more recreational focus. We've done it in Europe. Um, we, we develop and we market our own technology, which is key because then we're able to adjust the product to cater to these uh, types of players. Um, and we'll be launching a new version of it hopefully in the next uh, few months for American players. Um, so yes, I think we will, we will see an uptake. We just need to be careful not to jump the gun on this. I think there's a lot of focus on, on gaming, generally speaking, uh, we'll be working with the regulators to make sure that we do it correctly. And also at least from 88 perspective, we're incredibly analytic in our approach and very return oriented. So we just want to make sure that we don't, as I said, sort of put the band before uh, the horses. And, and make and do it on the right timing so uh, we don't just uh, overspend. But there's definitely a lot more we can do around poker, especially especially in the new channels that weren't available about 15 years ago, like Twitter, like the various OTPs and streaming services out there. I think just traditional TV has been a springboard for poker 15 and 20 years ago. I think it's, it's ready to take the next step in its evolution. Right. Okay. Uh, really interesting stuff. Thanks so much for, for joining us, uh, Yaniv. It's, uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks so much. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Simply put, we are coming off our worst week yet as sports betting bankroll managers. Every single new bet and one big bet that we made a couple of weeks ago, they were all losers. We're really falling apart, John. Uh, But you have to have a short memory in this business. Uh, So (laughs) we'll run through it briefly now and then we will move on. Uh, First... I made a $440 bet on the Warriors to win the title once they'd swept the Blazers. Uh, this was before we knew for sure who their opponents would be. And I can claim I got unlucky with injuries, but okay. also the Raptors proved to be a bad much matchup for them. I may have underrated the Raptors because they struggled so much against my 76ers. Hmm. Whatever the case, $440 down the tubes. In terms of new bets, we put $110 on Steph Curry's over on points in game six, and we put $100 on Kawhi Leonard's over, and they both missed. Uh, and then in U.S. Open golf, you had Tony Finau for the top 10. I had Patrick Cantlay for the top 10, and we both lost there also, $100 apiece. Add it all up, and we lost a whopping $850 this week, leaving us $723 in the hole. What a tumble from being up almost two grand earlier this year. Uh, we also have one thousand sixty five dollars currently invested in futures bets so that leaves us with eight thousand two hundred twelve dollars available to bet this week uh, i'm glad you're able to uh, to sort of laugh through the pain as i as i run down all that stuff john but uh yeah it's pretty ugly <laughs> i'm thinking the cincinnati reds though they're on a hot streak so. yes yes they are uh, and i'll actually get to them in a bit uh, but i guess we should also notice the note that the rockies are uh, are ahead yes. of pace too so some mm. things are looking up but um i'm up first with a with a bet for this week Um, As has been established, I'm not a big college basketball watcher. I typically ignore it until March, and even then, I only find time to watch a handful of games. 
But I am a big podcast listener, uh, and some voices I trust this week said that they believe DeAndre Hunter of Virginia is more likely to go either fourth or fifth in tonight's NBA draft than he is to go sixth or lower. And after shopping around at the New Jersey sites, I see that you can get plus 115 on points bet for Hunter to go under 5.5. So in other words, for him to go in the top five. It's basically expected to be Hunter, Jarrett Culver, and Darius Garland going four, five, six in some order. Seems like getting plus money on either team at four or five to take Hunter is a good deal. So I'm risking 100 to win 115. And uh, now I have a reason to watch tonight's draft. And by the way, I should mention uh, that BetStars had a special promotion like two months ago that Zion Williamson, for like one day, they had this spe- these special odds up. He was only mm. minus 200 to go first in the draft. Now he's minus 10,000. Um, <laughs> the the BetStars promotion was limited to a maximum of $25. But still, that is the easiest $12.50 I've ever made in my life. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good promotion. Uh, uh, first, I want to pers- personally apologize for anyone who's been dumb enough to shadow my picks lately. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's on you because you were dumb enough to shadow my picks. But still, I, I, I take some responsibility. Uh, also, I am self-excluding from Tony Finau for the rest of 2019 after two missed cuts. You know, at least your yeah. Cantley pick was alive at the turn on Sunday. That's not so bad. Right. Right. But, uh, all right. Short memory. I like that uh, that concept. So. I'm timidly waiting back into the PGA Tour at 100 to win 110. Tommy Fleetwood to finish in the top 20 at the Modest Travelers Championship in Connecticut this week. Uh, it's a weak field, strong player. Of course, it's up beautifully for his game. And if this loses, um, I promise no golf next week. <laughs> All right. I like that one. Uh, Fleetwood's got a good head of hair, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. why, why, not, why not bet on him based on that alone? I'm sure you have better reasons, but to me, that's why the the bet sounds fine. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of had that hair when I was like in my late teens, but yeah. Right. Yeah. We we all uh, wish we had the hair of our youth, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, <laughs> time for a semi long shot futures bet uh, for my next one here. The L.A. Clippers are as low as plus nine hundred to win the 2020 NBA title at some books. Uh, that includes points bet has them at that number, and that number makes sense if we expect Kawhi Leonard to land there. The Clippers are still, however, all the way up at plus 1,400 at FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, which is also a number that makes some sense uh, if Kawhi doesn't come there. Um, Experts seem to think it's about 50-50 whether he remains with Toronto or goes to the Clippers. Uh, Some of them seem to be leaning toward the Clippers as the slight favorite. Uh, And to me, plus 1,400 sounds like a great deal if there's at least a 50% chance that it's going to become like plus 800 or so sometime during the off season. So let's bet a little to win a lot, $50 to win $700 at FanDuel on the Clippers to win the NBA title. And while I'm here uh, betting a little to win a lot in a totally different sport, totally unrelated, but the Cincinnati Reds, as you noted, are starting to click. Um, I actually mentioned them last week in my article uh, searching for the next St. Louis Blues bet uh, because of their excellent run differential. I, I thought that they were a team that, has very long odds now that could make a move. Well, now they're winning. They've won four straight, including a three-game sweep of the Astros. Mm. And the books haven't updated their odds. In terms of Mm. winning the NL Central, they're as much as plus 2,500 to win the division, even though they've gone from eight back to just five and a half back now. Still a long way to go, but plus 2,500 is a fantastic price, in my opinion, with 90 games left to play. Let's splash 20 bucks on the Reds to win the NL Central and win us $500. Yeah, I love that. Those those are my Reds uh, there. Yeah, the Pythagorean record is much better than actual, as you note. Um, 
I have big questions about the manager. He's terrible. And my <laughs> Joey Votto's bad back is keeping me in seventh place in my lone rotisserie league. But uh, <laughs> there's so much talent there that uh, I like it a lot. Uh, so my pick, um, Eric, you, usually you're the one for the long game. Uh, this might partly because I'm terrified of going 0-2 again in this single <laughs> week. But uh, uh, looking at futures, um, Redskins 100 to win 800 to win the NFC East. Um, the rookie Haskins might be good right away. Maybe Case Keenum is decent otherwise. Um, kind of a sneaky pick. Hmm. I will take this as a just a slap in the face to Eagles yeah, totally. fans. But uh, all right. Now I, now I have to root for that. Uh, I guess what I'll do, I'm rooting for the Eagles. But if the Eagles can't win it, the Redskins will be my second uh, choice, which I guess they would anyway because I yeah, hate, I hate them so. less than the Giants and Cowboys. Yep. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, over to you. Please take us out. Yeah, I just want to express my appreciation to a listener who was a moderator of a panel at the All-American Sports Betting Summit at Monmouth Park this week. Um, he touted a comment that we made on a recent Gamble On podcast as a pearl of wisdom in his presentation. And uh, all this while, he didn't even know I was there. So, uh, uh, But seriously, it's kind of like the stories of singers who never forget the first time they heard one of the songs on the radio or, <laughs> or however kids hear music these days. I don't know, but like that's that first time. So it was it was a bit of a thrill, I got to admit. Um, this reminds me, though, that uh, seriously, that there's a bazillion podcasts out there. So I know we both are grateful for those of you who faithfully or even not so faithfully find a way to fit our weekly podcast into your busy schedule. So uh, with that, until next time, gamble on. <laughs>